Hello, and welcome to Nature Finds a Way, a pop culture podcast where we nerd out about biology facts and fiction in some of our favorite books, movies, and TV shows. I'm Lindsay, and she's Sarah, and we are marine biologists in recovery. And today we are celebrating September 1st in two days with a return to the Hogwarts Express and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the best Harry Potter book. Shh, don't tell Sarah. <laughs> It is very good. I'm just very biased and really like. I feel like the fourth four one. Of the best. <laughs> yeah, I think four is really good. Anyways, this is not a, the subject of our podcast. That's true. <laughs> we fight about it all yes. day, but we won't. Indeed, we won't. Yes, no. This one's very good. This is the one where we learn about so many things. Mm-hmm. We learn about Harry's dad and his buddies. Mm-hmm. We learn about the Animagus spell. Mm-hmm. We learn about hippogriffs. Mm-hmm. We learn about werewolves. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So many things. Um, before yeah. we get started, we just wanted to uh, do a disclaimer. I think we mentioned it at the end of last week's episode, and we definitely talked about it last year and probably the year before. Um, if you're mm-hmm. uncomfortable listening to Harry Potter episodes right now, go right ahead and skip this one. We'll be back in yep. two weeks with a much less controversial episode. And if you want to listen to our Chamber of Secrets one, we do talk a little bit more about, about. our feelings about Harry Potter versus everything else. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, so we actually both read this book, like, in person together, mm-hmm. like, not allowed to each other, but we were on <laughs> vacation <laughs> um, with our other friend and read it. And it was like, it's like, oh, I'm at like 60% and nothing's happened yet. Oh, like yeah, all the stuff that you think about in this movie, in this book, mm, happens in the last mm, 20%. Yeah, definitely. And it's just a lot Maybe of 25. Like, yeah, it's like we were talking about like it's YA and stuff, but especially mm-hmm. considering... It's even more like middle grade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this one, definitely. Considering mm-hmm. the amount of stuff that happens in four, five, six, and I know people are mad about Seven and its prolonged camping trip, but a lot of stuff does happen while they're camping. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of like the last one of that. Yeah. Um, so maybe Basically. it's just two and three, because the first one, like, there's shit going on, like, four seconds in. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like, I think also, like, the early plot is, yeah, there's, like, a little bit of background stuff with, like, Lupin. Mm-hmm. And, and Dementors. That was the big thing. And the Dementors. To, yeah. Yeah. But the main, like, plot things, other than just things that are around, is all about, like, classes, mm-hmm. um, Quidditch. Yeah, and so it's Yeah, there's yeah. not really any, like, yeah, I don't know. So it's both, like, setting stuff up for the end, but also there is a lot of stuff in this that sets things up for but, future mm-hmm. books. Yeah, but also a lot cool. not of, like, we didn't really, I don't know if we needed that many sight- sightings of the dog or this many divination classes. I don't know. I hate divination, yeah. so I'm biased. But that's true. I like it better in the movies because it's uh, what's her face? Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. Yeah, that's fair. And, and she's also great. Cut out a bunch of it. So yes. Yeah. Also, yeah, I don't need like three full Quidditch games described. To no, me. I know. I know we're yeah. not the ideal audience age range for this book anymore. Yeah, when I read it at when it came out. Yeah, I wasn't the right age range when it came out either. No, but. Yeah, I mean, there's the one Quidditch game where the Dementors are there, and mm-hmm. that one obviously is important, but... And then it's important that they win. I don't know, it's the whole thing. Yeah, it's the whole thing. Yeah, but there is some cool biology-ish stuff mm-hmm. sprinkled throughout the book. What order? I guess hippogriffs are probably the first one that we meet. Yeah, I think so. If you want to talk about that, because that's the other big thing. It's Care of Magical Creatures yes. class starts, which is... Oh, a- yeah. Oh, no, I guess that's the first thing, is the 
Care of Magical Creatures textbook. Mm-hmm. So fun. Is a, a, a thing that can bite you, mm-hmm. which um, doesn't seem like... I like the idea of a book that is also an animal, but one that can also attack seems... <laughs> Yeah, it seems a little counterproductive. Seems, yeah, yeah, it seems not that useful. But it's very cool. I've been very tempted to like have a decorative version mm-hmm. of my own. Yeah. Because um, they're cute and furry. Yeah, so yeah, Hagrid gets to be a teacher and teach care of magical creatures, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. I like that it's a class. It is weird that it's more just like learn how to look after animals and not like much sort of facts about them. I know, it's definitely like, like we could talk about, and I know Harry Potter and the Sacred Text does, talks about the issues with their education. Because oh yeah, there's also, bad. like, future, there's <laughs> they like have to learn the body parts of like bow truckles and yeah. stuff, but then they just learn basic facts about other ones and then like keeping them alive, but like hippogriffs are cool, yeah. but why like they're never gonna experience one in their yeah, day-to-day and also, day like, lives and thestrals. Yeah, like, and like how are they related to other magical creatures mm-hmm. or like, you know, the concept like herbivores versus carnivores. Like mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things that like 12-year-olds are learning about, maybe in like more detail than that. But like, yeah, how do hippogriffs fit in with their natural environment? Yeah. And yeah, like, you know, you make the little diorama with the hippogriff and the <laughs> bow truckles. I don't know what else would be in a magical little diorama. It would be cool. Hippogriffs and bow and truckles, like, would, uh, those are some size issues, so. Well, I just picked I know. an animal. Um, I'm just thinking yeah. about the diorama and how difficult. Yeah, it would be. like yeah, what's their what's their native environment? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they warm blooded or cold blooded? All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But no, they just learn how to like bow to them. Yeah, yeah, and ride them, and ride them, which also is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's like it almost seems like it's biology class, and then it's really not biology no, class. It's no. like it's like 4-H club. <laughs> Yeah, totally. (laughs) Way more than actual class. Yeah, so hippogriffs are magical beasts that are sort of part giant eagle, part horse. So they have the wings and the head and the talons of an eagle, and then everything else is very horse-like, including like the overall body shape other than the head. They are, in the magical world, this land are pretty domesticated so there's this whole thing of yeah they're very they're like carnivorous dangerous animals and they are sort of domesticated so then you can um like basically ask their permission by bowing and then you can like pet them and then if they think that you are honorable enough they will let you ride them yeah according to this wikipedia they build nests on the ground and lay eggs a single egg which is cool except then they hatch in 24 hours which Hmm. is interesting mm-hmm. um, but might involve some sort of uh internal fertilization or development before oh, they yeah. lay the egg, maybe, maybe they're over paris which is the theme of our summer apparently so yeah yeah so the hippogriff uh buckbeak uh is like a huge major point plot point in the book it's also strange to me that they have like this whole specific like ministry or like department of their government of like destroying dangerous the committee for the disposal of dangerous creatures like how many dangerous creatures are there in this magical world that they need a whole committee i know to destroy them yeah a lot of stuff kind of falls apart when you start digging into it it's very true very true yeah there's some cool ideas that as long as just don't look too closely at them we've talked about that before too oh yeah uh, for harry potter yeah so hippogriffs very cool um but yes i would be curious are they warm-blooded or cold-blooded 
because birds are kind of cold-blooded and horses are warm-blooded so like Mm -hmm. where do they fall the fact that they lay external eggs means maybe cold-blooded maybe but nobody talks about it yeah they seem like it's like a very um prestigious thing to like rear hippogriffs like Mm -hmm. it's it's like a a high and wizarding thing to have Mm -hmm. tamed hippogriffs yeah what do we want to talk about next maybe werewolves yeah so spoiler alert lupin's a werewolf um Mm -hmm. just in case you didn't know (laughs) so let me just click on this so the biggest thing that i found like obviously werewolves uh, i think i don't think we've talked about them in our halloween episode Mm, i feel like we have we might have or in a Buffy episode? No, we only did first season Buffy episode. No, I don't know. I don't know. I feel, I feel like, like we, we have. talked about werewolves. But so they're obviously from folklore. Lycanthrope is another term, which is for wolf human. So it's a human with the ability to shapeshift into a wolf from a and it occurs from a bite, and there's full moon involved in all of those kinds of things. It's a widespread concept from European folklore, existing in many variants related to a common development of Christian interpretation of underlying European folklore. Maybe it was when our, we did our wolf episode. Oh, maybe. A long time ago. So in the early modern period, werewolf beliefs were spread to the new world with colonialism, and they were developed in parallel with belief of witches and all sorts of those kinds of things. There was trials in like Switzerland in the oh. 15th and 16th, or like for a long time. 15th to basically 18th century. So they're a big part of the witch hunt phenomenon. Hmm. I don't really know how you show evidence, but I guess this is a problem with witch hunts in general. True fact. (laughs) Um, So by the end of the witch trial, so mid 18th century, they became an interest in folklore studies and the emerging Gothic horror genre. They have lots of stuff like in medieval romances and developed into Lots of different books, trappings of horror literature in the 20th century, uh, and horror and, f- horror and fantasy genre of modern pop culture. So basically, like, kind of similar to witches and vampires, as we talked about before. Yeah. It's like this huge thing that started off as a trade and people were afraid of, and then they turned them into books, and then they turned them into, like, these are scary, but now let's love them. Ooh, aren't yeah. they so sexy? Yeah, it's a little bit scandalous. Yeah, so Remus, like many teachers at Hogwarts is given like a second chance by Dumbledore to be a teacher Mm -hmm. and yeah even though Dumbledore knows he's a werewolf he gets brought as a teacher but it doesn't go great as we know because yeah when he sees the moon he turns into a werewolf yeah there's a note from Lindsay like does this hold up later I think so but yeah I don't don't remember how many times Remus actually turns into a werewolf later on I don't think it's a lot no, I can't remember. I don't know. It's been a while since I've read all the other books. Because he's so. not, like, around for long periods of time. He's just, like, yeah. in and out. So yeah, I feel which like, makes sense with yeah. his werewolfiness. Yeah, so the thing that got me the most was that it, he didn't turn into a werewolf until he saw the full moon, which yeah. doesn't hold up in the story at all, because even when he's taking his wolf potion, he just curls up like a wolf and sleeps in his office. But if he's in his office, how did he see the moon? Um, yeah, it's like, like, why don't we just, like, close the curtains? Yeah, exactly. And from all other werewolf things, but mainly mm-hmm. Oz is my knowledge of werewolves, like, my knowledge from of vampires. <laughs> yeah. Everything I know about vampires, learned from Buffy, <laughs> is it doesn't matter if you see the moon. Yeah. It's, it's just, that's the night. It's the full moon there. And, like, yeah. for... Maybe, like, the moonlight has to be shining 
maybe. But then, like, does if it's cloudy, okay. like in this book, it's like the clouds part and the moon is like yeah, in that's the sky. I mean. yeah. yeah. So, so like if they if they only if they shine through the clouds like the moonlight, maybe I don't know. it seems a seems little very bit, convenient. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like yeah, the the wolfsbane potion seems like a good solution, but like I don't know, just uh, a little bit convenient that he mm-hmm. couldn't remember to take it or whatever. I know it was. it's a little like strange, and then like again in Buffy, there's it's three nights because of the way that full moons really are yeah. and that's like that's only in Buffy that I know of um yeah but like you know it's easy to track moon cycles yeah exactly it's very predictable it's very predictable and yeah. as talking as a, a full-grown adult who's been tracking cycles of things for over <laughs> 25 years I think yeah. you would be okay with remembering to take this stuff so yeah, it's exactly. just a little it seems bit. A bit weird. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The thing the thing that is cool is that his friends from school who are Harry's dad and Sirius Black and then I mean friend is a strong word but Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. They all like to help him handle his wolf transformation mm-hmm. learn to become animagus animagi. Oh, no. They learn the animagus spell so that they all then have the ability to turn from human into animals. So uh, Peter Pettigrew turns into a rat, which is convenient for something that we will talk to later. And then um, James Potter turns into a stag or like a large deer and Sirius Black turns into a black dog, Mm -hmm. which is important for the plot. Yes. Um, The thing that I thought is cool with the, um, with this animagus thing is that when they are in the body of an animal, it's not like they're in the body of an animal, but their brain is still their human brain. Like they get an animal brain. It seems Mm -hmm. like like they're less, less able to do human things like process language and that stuff. Um, So there's like definitely some thought of like, like your brain structure, like we have certain structures in our brains and nerves that let us do things and other animals don't have that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's interesting because there's also like that happens with werewolves as well, and, mm-hmm. but on the other mm-hmm. hand, he's taught. He's like, I didn't, I didn't eat anyone last night. Like, the, like he says that, yeah, so, he so he remembers, which is interesting as well. Just like the, how much is, like how much, aware is he? Is he like, aware but unable to be in control, or like mm. that's horrible, or yeah, like he's just, he just, or he has, just the has the memories, when he which is also back. not great. Yeah, uh, and he talks no, about. How the transformation is painful, which I completely understand. Yeah, your like bones are changing position. Yeah, sounds terrible. Whereas the spell doesn't seem painful. No, just gross. The trans where was yeah. It's also surprising. Like Peter Pettigrew was a a rat for like thirteen years or something, mm-hmm. or longer than that even. Yeah, like how I feel like you would lose like your ability to be human. And I mean, he he doesn't become a good human. No, it's interesting. Yeah, because <laughs> he talks about yeah. living among the rats and obviously he lived with the Weasleys for mm-hmm. a long time. Like it's never, I don't think it's ever said like he was Percy's, but I guess when Percy went to school? Yeah, maybe, which Percy's yeah, would have been about. four years older yeah. than Ron? So yeah, I don't know what he did. Yeah, I guess just like lived with rats and then got collected by yeah, maybe somehow. Like, Bill or Charlie, like, like, hey, I found this rat. Yeah, like, that's the other thing. Of, like, yeah. how did he end up at the Weasleys in general, but how did he mm-hmm. conveniently end up the best friend of Harry Potter's Yeah, house? it's uh, <laughs> very convenient. Yes. Um, yeah, but it was handy that he turned into a rat, because then he could, like, 
press the magic like burl inside the whomping willow to keep mm-hmm. the whomping willow from whomping, uh, which makes it a better hiding place. So yeah, we learn more about the whomping willow, which was in the previous one mm-hmm. also. But yeah, the, so the whomping willow was planted to cover the entrance to the shrieking shack so that there would be a place for Remus to hide during his monthly werewolfing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is really handy and interesting that... Yeah. Like, well, like the nice children had such put that effort right. in. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I guess, good. I don't know. I don't really have much else to say about the Whomping Willow other than No, I was just cool. looking at willows and yeah. they're trees and they're deciduous. Yeah. And yep. there's some concern about what, that sometimes they're shrubs. Oh, really? Yeah. Willows also called sallows or osiers from the genus Salix. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, genus of, genus... Of about 400 species of deciduous trees and shrubs. Oh, interesting. I guess, See? like, I think there the difference between tree things. and shrub is just, like, Shape. how big it gets. Yeah, I don't know yeah. enough about it, but I'm, like, I'm pretty sure it's just, like, a... Because, like, yeah, our like, tree decision? just means it... Arbitrary? Yeah, exactly. It's not a biological term. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's cool. Um, and the the name of the genus originated with Linnaeus. So there oh, you go. good job, That's Linnaeus. a thing that Linnaeus <laughs> chose this name for these trees. Nice. So there's a thing that you didn't know. Um, and aren't you glad you came to this podcast to learn it? Indeed. Um, okay, so the probably, other than hippogriffs, like the coolest animal is the one that, or I think the coolest animal, but I'm an invertebrate nerd, is basically so after the hippogriff incident where the hippogriff uh-huh. like hurts uh, Malfoy, um, um, Hagrid gets itself, really, I think. Yeah, pro- well, yeah. After the hippogriff protects itself from Malfoy being an idiot, mm-hmm. um, the Hagrid's really nervous about doing anything, so he basically just gets the students to do like actual biology studies. Yeah. <laughs> so he gives them flobber worms. So yeah, flobber worms are like apparently ten inch long, toothless brown magical worms that are herbivorous. They are classified as X or boring, which is the lowest rank of magical classification, because apparently rather than classifying things by like biology, Numbers. it's just like how cool are they? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, they are, they have mouths on both ends of their body, which is kind of cool. They apparently don't really have teeth. But they produce a mucus. This is cool. They do produce What's mucus. What's wrong with you yeah. people? I know, they produce mucus, which is used for thickening potions. And also yeah. apparently they're edible. Well, like they're worms. It's not surprising that they're edible. No, like, but they, they like, they, they serve, I don't know in what, oh, in, the, in one of the, in the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone video game, there's a mention. Oh. Of flopper worms being served fried fried in batter to the students at the dining hall. Hmm. Apparently, flopper worm mucus can boost the immunity of infants, according to nice. old article in the New York Ghost. Excellent. <laughs> and it costs one galleon for eight bottles. Um, oh. At the apothecary in Diagon Alley. So there you go. Flopper worms um, are cool. Yeah. As a person who loves sea cucumbers, and that's basically what it is. <laughs> So yeah, basically. Two mouths. Two mouths instead of a mouth that is a mouth and a bum. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very cool. The only thing is <laughs> their exam wasn't like, tell me facts about flower worms. No. It was just keep them alive for an hour, which, I mean, can't be hard. No. Just like, don't poke them. Exactly. <laughs> There's a reason why they just talked to Hagrid the whole time during their exam. Like, there could yeah. have been so many things. Tell mm-hmm. me about the mucus and its powers. 
Tell yeah. me how you get the mucus from the flubber worm. What do flubber worms eat? How do they reproduce? Where do they like well, to live? Like, look at all these test questions. Earlier in their class, they killed a bunch of them by letting them overfeed on lettuce, mm-hmm. which I don't know if it's like overeating in general or just lettuce in particular. So like, I know if you go to like the petting zoo kind of things where they have the rabbits and things that you would normally think would eat lettuce, it's actually not great because it's so high in water, they can get mm. diarrhea. Mm-hmm. So it's like so it's better it's to have something that has more nutrients. So yeah. maybe that's yeah. It, so it's not lettuce in particular. It's just lettuce is so low in nutrients and high in like fiber and water. Basically. Yeah, and like they're land worms, but mm-hmm. like what is their like what are they made out of? Right? Like are they? Is it going to ruin their internal salinity yeah. or something? Like who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What do you think the purpose of the second mouth is? There are so many questions. I can write a I test know, about flopper worms right now. Yeah, is one. Like, maybe one mouth so that they can eat and defend themselves, or so that they can eat more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I think they're really cool. How does their digestive system work? Where does their waste come out of? Well, and they look like they have a slightly hard exoskeleton. Yeah. So are they really worms? Or Yeah, I don't know. So many questions. They're very cool. Yeah, I would much rather study flopper worms than God. hippogriffs. Um, <laughs> but you know, nerdiest are... Hogwarts students in the world. <laughs> basically. 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 I think... I think that's all of the biology stuff we mm-hmm. have in this book. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else Harry Potter related other than, yes, this is a good book. And when I say that it's not my favorite, it doesn't mean it's not good. I know. Just like to bother like you. The other one more. I know. For so many reasons. Because yeah. um, it's mainly dragons. <laughs> oh, and blast ended scroots. That is true. They are fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Anyways, if you have thoughts on Harry Potter and, or questions about flobberworms. The mis- the answers to the mysterious flobberworm. Yeah, or if you would like us. to also join us in writing a dissertation on flobberworms, um, <laughs> <laughs> you can reach out to us on social media. We're at Nature Finds a Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can head to our website, naturefindsapod.com. And don't forget, you, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Um, We'll be back in two weeks to discuss the new Disney Pixar's Luca, which is exciting because I haven't seen very it. Very excited. Yes, yes, yes. Our spies that are out in the mm. world told us. Told us it was good. This yes. is for us. So, hooray! <laughs> Excellent. In the meantime, stay, stay science, science friends. friends.